Curriculum Associates presents Extraordinary Educators with hosts Sari Labaris and Danielle Sullivan. Get ready to hear tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching, leadership, and drive student learning. We're here for you. Hello, welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Sari. This week, we are joined by Extraordinary Educator Andrea Bainey, who is a fourth grade teacher in Pennsylvania. Andrea is an expert in all things engaging students, having data chats, um, incorporating SEL into her classroom, and setting goals and tracking them with students. So Danielle, what are you excited to talk to her about? First off, I got to meet Andrea in person (laughs) this summer, which was so exciting. And she's just She's just a joy. I'm excited just to get to see her again. Although you don't know that we're seeing her because it's a podcast, but I'm excited (laughs) to hear from her and just see what she's been thinking about this summer and how she's going to set her school year up for success. Yes. I got to meet her too. I felt like we were meeting a celebrity and if you don't, Oh my gosh, I know (laughs) (laughs) if you don't follow her on Instagram, you definitely should. We will link her, uh, her page in the show notes. She provides really great tips specifically around math. Um, but yeah, we are just excited to talk to her about kicking the school year off and, and how she's using data to build relationships with her students. So here is our conversation with Andrea. Welcome, Andrea. We are so excited to have you here with us today. If you can just start by introducing yourself to our listeners, that would be great. Hello, everyone. I'm Andrea Bainey. I am a fourth grade math and science teacher from Pennsylvania. Hi, Andrea. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so excited to speak with you again. And I would love to know, as we start to think about the beginning of school year, how do you set your students up with for success, particularly around goal setting? Absolutely. So as a teacher right now, I'm currently looking at my incoming students' data, and I'm looking at their strengths, at their weaknesses, and just really trying to navigate and figure out what they know right now and what they need to learn. Um, And going into the new school year, I plan to share that information with my students. I think um, being open with them, having one-on-one student conferences is really important so they can be invested in that data as well. Um, So what I typically do um, is conference with my students at the beginning, middle, and end of the year. So at the beginning, I am talking to them about their third grade state testing data. And then we talk about goals that we can set. So I come up with a goal for that individual student. And then I ask that individual to also um, come up with their goal. We write this in a little binder that they have for goal setting. And we also... um, just talk about the importance of going into testing and why they should always try their best. So this is actually a discussion that I have with the whole group. I talk to them about why we take the tests that we're taking, Um, not that it's just a waste of time or a time filler that they have to do or requirement, um, but why I use it. I think if my students know that I'm looking at the data and, I'm using it to help them become a better mathematician or a scientist, whatever we're working on, then I think they become a little bit more invested. Um, We also do class goals. So after a big test like our diagnostic, if I see, and typically in the beginning of the year, I keep it simple. If I see that my students are taking their time, working hard, asking questions, using their scratch paper, 
Um, if we do that as a class, then they earn some sort of reward. And I let them pick that. So having that reward really gets them motivated and excited to do what I'm asking them to do on the test. There is so much that you said that yeah, I, you just named countless best practices from having data chats with students, setting class goals, making it a team effort, having a binder, having students be part of the process, conferences, just the list goes on and on and on. So thank you for that. And, and thank you for sharing. I'm curious, just going back to the one-on-one -on -one conferences, I think a lot of folks ideally would be able to do this with their students. Can you just talk about logistically or, or the systems you have in place to allow that to happen? When do you do this during the day? How do you get a chance to meet with all of your students just so others can kind of replicate the best practice? Absolutely. So I typically have um, a class of 18 to 22 students from year to year. And one of the structures that I run in my classroom is guided math, um, which is not a curriculum, it's not a program, but it's just a small group instruction um, platform where I can teach a little bit of whole group, a little bit of small group instruction, and then also have students doing centers or um, individualized activities. And what I do once I've established that routine is I will be able to pull students and talk to them while they, while they are still working on their academics. Um, you know, they have a task at hand, they can work on that while I am meeting with an individual student. During this time, I also make it clear to the rest of the class that while I'm talking to an individual, um, it's important to work on your work, but also not interrupt Mrs. Bainey so that that student gets that one-on-one -on -one time that they deserve. Um, so it is a lot of drill and practice as far as classroom routines and structures, but it is absolutely possible to do in my classroom time. And I love that you are setting the expectations right off the bat. Of course, routines help and students are still engaged in appropriate work. How long does it take you to have these conversations with 18 students a week? Yeah, so. it's, it's definitely spread out. So obviously it doesn't happen in one class period. Um, but I would say on a good day, I would get through about five students. So it's definitely possible for me to do in a week. You know, of course, interruptions happen and it might go into two weeks, but I think it is extremely important to have. Um, so I make time for it. And you make time, you said earlier, to mid-year and then also at the end of the year. So you prioritize these types of conversations so your students know what to expect. Is that correct? Yes. So we conference mid-year, I will talk to them about, you know, their scores that they had at the beginning of the year or things that are happening in class that I've noticed. Um, and again, we repeat everything that I said before we have that discussion. Um, and then when we take that middle of the year, end of year assessment, my students have clear expectations of what they're working towards and what they're trying to achieve. Thank you so much for sharing this. I just, for the listeners out there, Andrew's a rock star, as you can tell, and this is a very manageable practice. And I can tell you from talking with lots of educators across the country, here's a rhyme for y'all. Students in the know are students who will grow by giving them understanding of where they're placing Having Andrea as part of their conversation, she's creating a learning partnership environment where students are, are bought into their learning. And that is such a wonderful thing. Thank you for sharing this. You're so I think welcome. we have a special uh, question for her. Yes. 
Yeah. So we have an exciting new segment called Ask an Extraordinary Educator. And if you want to ask an extraordinary question about your teaching practice, you can email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. That's extraordinaryeducators with an S at cainc.com. So Andrea, are you ready for our first ever Ask an Extraordinary Educator question? <laughs> I am ready. All right, here we go. Hello, I am loving the podcast and hearing advice from other teachers. I wanted to ask an extraordinary educator how they have time to get everything done in a day. I find that I'm constantly the last one in the school building and still don't get everything done. Day after day, my colleagues leave before me, and eventually it makes me feel burnt out and frustrated since I truly don't understand how everyone can get their tasks and work done before me. How do you do it all? How can I be more productive? How can I cope with the fact I'm always the last one standing? Any advice on any of the above is appreciated. Sincerely, a dedicated yet down teacher. All right, Andrea. Yes, I I can totally relate to this question. I think as teachers, we constantly feel the pressure. Everything's piling up. There's always something to do. Um, I will admit I used to be the first person in the parking lot and the last person to leave. Um, But it did exactly what that individual mentioned. It, It burned me out. Like I was just worn out and I couldn't separate teaching from being a human being. And I needed to figure out a way to do that. Um, So some strategies that work for me is I always have a to-do list. And even if it's something really, really simple, like put your lunch in the refrigerator at school, because I've forgotten to do that. (laughs) Um, I like to write it down because crossing things off the list really makes you feel good. And it lets you see what you're accomplishing in a day. Now, you might not be able to cross off every single item that you have on that list, but you can still see what you've accomplished and what you've gotten done. What I try to do is always make a goal for when I want to leave that day. Um, Now, having my son and he's involved in sports, that's really helped because it gets me home in time for practice. Um, But I make it a goal to leave by a certain time. And then I spend at least three hours with my family, completely dedicated to my family at night. Um, But if I'm feeling extremely overwhelmed, once my son is in bed, I spend an hour working on what I feel I absolutely have to get done that night. Sometimes this never happens and I just enjoy my night teacher free. Um, But I do acknowledge that, yeah, there is going to be things that I have to take home and I have to get caught up on just so I don't feel like I'm sinking. Um, So I just recommend make that to-do list, prioritize what's super important, and always make time for you and your family because that's what's most important in life. Here, here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. We appreciate you so much. And just Good luck this year. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you for sharing all that. It's so, so true. And uh, those practical tips and your best practices are just incredibly helpful for all of our listeners. So we appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you so much. As Danielle said, that is it for today's episode of the Extraordinary Educators podcast. You can leave us a review where you listen to podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Associ and on Instagram at MyIReady. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be a guest, email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We're here for you. 
So until next time, be you, be true, be extraordinary. The Extraordinary Educators podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates. Editing by Danielle Sullivan. Social media by At City Hannon. Guest booking by Sari Liberis. Music by Mark Bernstein. This podcast is copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Associates and on Instagram at MyIready and send your emails to extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. 